0: I hate you, you stupid (laughs) app. You've done nothing. Why is it me? Why isn't it Chelsea? (laughs) You're making me
1: look bad. Uh, Well, while you get your shit together, I'm going to pour another glass of wine. I like how you're like calm, cool, and
0: collective. Typical Rose. It's fine. I've dealt with this for 10 years. It's cool. back up. All right, guys, we recorded for a whole fucking hour.
1: I got halfway through my story and then Uh,
0: somebody
1: (sighs) decided not to fucking work. So here we are again. Happy Valentine's Day. Almost. It
0: was day. Or. Now I'm gonna rush through it. It was so funny, guys. I we, made so many jokes.
1: We had Chelsea so, made so many jokes. So many good jokes. So today is Valentine's Day, the day before Valentine's Day, and you should tell everyone in your life that you love them. And yeah, Chelsea and our Galantines and
0: Valentines, because Ryan hasn't asked yet. Oh God, you missed so much. All right. Well, welcome back. I'm Rose. <laughs> your host one of your hosts to uh dinner and a murder
1: i'm chelsea
0: <laughs> we're s- literally so upset. <laughs> oh my god the more i think about it the more i'm realizing what is not going to be in this episode y'all are
1: missing out on some <sighs> prime comedy
0: everyone's like great this is not why we listen to the podcast to listen to things <laughs> we didn't listen to uh <laughs> all Uh, right well before chelsea jumps into her uh dealio uh don't forget to send us your stories for your true crime uh paranormal creepypasta urban legends to our email at dinner and a murder pod pod. at gmail.com i (laughs) remember because we've already done this The next uh, listener episode comes out, uh, I think, February 25th, like we said in the last episode. So it's a little too late now to uh, send us your stories for February, but you can send them for March or the future. Uh, February 27th is our first patron choice episode where you get to choose... Uh, we're patrons, let's just say. I get to choose the topic that we do, um, one topic a month. So if you would like to choose a topic for next month for our patron choice in March, go ahead and check out our Patreon and see if you want to become a patron. And that link is in our link tree in the description.
1: All right. Rose,
0: so, what did you have to eat this week? <laughs> I'm just going to act surprised again. I know. I'll act surprised.
1: <laughs> I, did, I, blah, 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 I didn't hear.
0: So this... This week, uh, as we were talking about American Fair with Chelsea's episode last episode, and I gave a little... Little little taste that I was gonna do American fare too. I went to the New Yorker Diner, which is located on 48 Portland Street in Manchester. Uh, It's in the Piccadilly Gardens. The place is really nice, very low key. It's not street level, it's actually under the ground. It's in like an old like Victorian townhouse uh, building where they have like lots of businesses on the street and then I assume apartments on the top. I mean, it's got like a really homey vibe. It's got wood on the walls, brick on the exposed brick on the walls. It's got those old-fashioned light bulbs. And I remember more details about it. Oh, wow. I mean,
1: I'm learning new things. My,
0: <laughs> I have to sprinkle in more details. And it was really laid back. Um, you order your food at the counter and then they little buzz you. Kind of like, um, not Smash Burgers, uh Shake Shack. Ah, uh, yep, um, yep, yep, yep. You, like, order at the counter, go sit down, and then they – I was going to say they vibrate you. They buzz (laughs) you. I don't know. They page you? Is that what (laughs) – they're pagers. They're, like, new-agey pagers. And I got – Chelsea laughed, but I got a Chick-fil-A burger, and it's (laughs) spelled exactly the way that Chick-fil-A is spelled. You told me not to Um, laugh, so naturally I did. (laughs) Um and what that entailed originally comes with lettuce, tomatoes, and pickles. Y'all should know by now, Chelsea and I. All about that chicken sometimes, but (laughs) I I want my meat. Um, so I didn't get that with that. But the chicken that I had was like buttermilk fried chicken and it was Mm. Better than Chick Fil A's mm. fried chicken sandwich.
1: I mean, um, I, I am ready to argue that point, but all right, you, you can had keep it going. Yet. You I know. Go here and eat it. I know. I need. Um, I need a point to argue. So,
0: and it comes with treasure cheese and like the spicy sauce. No idea what it's called. Maybe it's like secret sauce.
1: Secret sauce.
0: It's spicy. I liked it, and then I added a uh, turkey bacon mm. and. Uh, a fried egg because I like me fried eggs mm. on my sandwich. Um, Chelsea so pointing out
1: you basically that it was a bacon egg
0: and cheese with chicken with chicken. And I had a moment <laughs> where my brain exploded, <laughs> and I was not happy. <laughs> but mm. I got a meal, so I picked uh, onion rings as my side, and I didn't purposely order dirty poutine, but I got that. Um, and what that was, was heaven on earth. And it was your typical cheese curd gravy, but with like pop, shredded popcorn chicken on top. And it was so good. I wish I had a huge US plate of it. Mm. The people there were super, super nice. Oh, the best part. It's halal. Uh, ah, so I yes, can yes. eat there. The place that I used to go to nearby me closed down. The place that had turkey bacon. So I was really bummed about that. But if anyone's like,
1: wondering, halal means they don't eat pork.
0: Yeah. And it's like specially prepared in the way that kind of like kosher is uh, prepared in a certain way for Jewish people to eat the food. Uh-huh. It's the same uh, for uh, Muslim people. So for their specific religion. But so they don't have any pork products. So they do sell like hot dogs. So I'm super excited to have a hot dog place because. And all these hot dogs. Yes, all-beef hot dogs. Um, if you're not eating an all-beef hot dog just to begin with, you're doing it wrong. So, yeah, the the sandwich was amazing. The onion rings were good. I wish they had some kind of, like, onion ring sauce or something other than ketchup or mayo or hot sauce yeah. to go with. But they were still good. They weren't Burger King good, but they were good. Oh, the s'mores fries. Oh, I just remembered. <laughs> We had a whole conversation of the beautiful s'mores fries that they had there. I didn't eat them, but they're like fries with chocolate sauce on it. I was too full to have any dessert. They also have like waffles and ice cream and
1: a bunch of shakes and stuff. You definitely need to go back there and let me know if that dessert is as good as a Wendy's Frosty and French Uh, fries. Because, I mean, that's that's like heaven on earth to me. So you got to let me know.
0: Uh, but yeah, it was a good place. Good vibe. Really nice people that worked there. They were really helpful. I'm really excited to have a place where I don't have to worry about like pork being in my meal. So that's good. <laughs> uh, and it's pretty low key. The only critique I have was that it didn't have Wi-Fi, but the food was good.
1: <laughs> Makes up <laughs> for the it. Wi-Fi.
0: Makes up for the Wi-Fi a little bit. It's in the basement, so your signal isn't as good. Okay, so that was, I think I covered everything that I said the first time. Um, Lovely.
1: And now I'm hungry <laughs> all over again, and I'm going to go to Wendy's for dinner and get a Frosty and French fries and... Chicky Nuggies. And Chicky Nuggies.
0: Uh, well, before Chelsea gets started on her super exciting uh, Valentine's Day special, please like and follow our Facebook page at d-a-a-m podcast our twitter page at d-a-a-m pod and our instagram at dinner and a murder and without a further ado
1: my lady thank you very much for that marvelous introduction (laughs) again (laughs) yes so i have a super special valentine's day episode for you guys which is one of my favorite topics i'm so excited to talk about this because i've been fascinated by it for my whole life so today i'm going to be talking about bonnie and clyde woo woo so excited tell me more ms bonnie elizabeth parker and mr clyde champion borrow were a gangster couple Yes, the they were. the original gangster couple, if you will, and they operated as a gang between 1932 and 1934. So, a short run, but with lots of action for sure. Let's get down into it. Ms. Bonnie Parker was born on October 1st, 1910, in Ruina, Texas. The middle of three children. After the death of her father in 1914, Bonnie's mother moved the family to Cement City, a suburb of Dallas, Texas. In her sophomore year of high school, at age 15, Bonnie met Roy Thornton. The two dropped out of high school and got married on September 25th, 1926. A child. She is definitely a child, but... She comes from a poor family, so I don't entirely blame her for getting married and joining the workforce at 15. Anyway, Mm -hmm. soon after their marriage, Thornton was arrested and sentenced to prison. I have no idea what he did or how long he was (laughs) sentenced for, but he went away. Hmm. The couple never got divorced, but they did not see each other again after January 1929. So sad. So sad. After losing her husband to prison, Bonnie moved back in with her mother in Dallas. She briefly kept a diary at age 18, where she wrote of her loneliness in Dallas and her desire to get away. Mm. Who doesn't at 18? Come on now.
0: (laughs) I feel you. I feel you.
1: As an adult, Bonnie wrote poems, including one that would later be known as, quote, The Story of Bonnie and Clyde, unquote. Mm. Clyde Barrow was born on March 24th, 1909 in Ellis County, Texas, the fifth of seven children in a poor family. Seven children. Can we we (laughs) marinate on that for a second? Seven children. Too uh, many.
0: Although my great grandmother is one of nine, so. (laughs) Mm.
1: The Barrow family moved to a Dallas slum in the early 1920s. They lived under their wagon for the first few months until, uh, they, until they had saved enough money to buy a tent. So they lived in what we know today as a tent city or what did you call it, Rose? Uh, a shantytown
0: or a Hooverville.
1: Thank you. Hooverville. That's what I was looking for. So Clyde lived in a shantytown for most of his adolescence. Clyde's criminal history began at age 17 when he ran from police who confronted him about a rental car that he did not return on time. Ugh. Ugh. Well, get ready for it because the next one is going to give you a chuckle. (laughs) He was later arrested for possession of stolen turkeys. Possession of turkeys.
0: <laughs> I hope they wrote it down and they forgot to write stolen possession of turkeys. I mean, it's like carrot, the little carrot on top of it. Stolen <laughs> turkeys. <laughs> oh my god, this was this was ridiculous. Because I was like, turkeys stolen are mean, turkey. like they if are you s- awful.
1: They're the if meanest you can animals. Steal one
0: turkey. Bro, you can have it, because they're vicious, but you I stole mean, three turkeys?
1: I mean, it doesn't say how many turkeys.
0: Oh, I thought you said possession of three turkeys. I don't know why. No, when did I come up with that?
1: turkeys. There's no number specified, but it is multiple. It's plural. It's plural. <laughs> anyway, uh. through 1927 to 1929, Clyde held several legitimate jobs, but... Ooh. He also had a side gig, cracking safes, robbing stores, and stealing cars.
0: The way you do it, you know. The the way you do. Or 20s. In
1: 1930, Bonnie and Clyde met through a mutual friend. They Mm. spent much of the next few weeks together, but their blooming romance was interrupted when Clyde was convicted of auto theft and sent to a prison farm in April. Don't you hate it when
0: your fella gets arrested and goes to prison?
1: I mean, that's the worst, isn't it? <laughs> it is the worst. you we re- are
0: talking about left on red.
1: <laughs> I mean, for real, Bonnie was not happy about it. She didn't want to lose her new beau, so Aww. she smuggled a gun into prison for him. As you do, true love. That's love right there. Clyde used the smuggled gun to escape, but was quickly caught again and sent back to prison.
0: <sighs> now I'm even more pissed for Bonnie. She's like, Jesus Christ, I gotta do everything around here.
1: She really does. I mean, she's a rider die.
0: She is. She truly she is. For is. real.
1: While in prison, Clyde was repeatedly sexually assaulted by another inmate. Uh In retaliation, Clyde crushed his rapist's skull with a lead pipe.
0: I mean, I don't condone murder, but...
1: But he was also raped, so...
0: Yeah, so... You gotta do what you gotta do, especially in a time when men that are raped are definitely not going to get any sympathy. They barely get it now.
1: No, not at all. Um, This was also Clyde's first murder. Oh, yeah. But a fellow inmate took pity on him. To save him from the consequences of the murder, another inmate who was already serving a life term claimed responsibility for the death and took the consequences. It's like a movie. Over the next two years, Clyde served his sentence doing hard labor in the fields, which he did not like one bit.
0: I don't think anybody liked it.
1: (laughs) No. Early in 1932, Clyde... Uh, Sorry, guys. Clyde had a friend chop off two of his toes with an axe to avoid working in the fields. Yuck. Yeah. Yuck. Yeah. But it worked because since he was no longer of use at the prison, he was paroled in February 1932. If they still
0: had that, so many people would chop off their toes to get out of prison.
1: Dude, well, this was a prison's farm specifically, so, yeah. they all the inmates were required to, to work the fields and everything. So, hmm. if they couldn't be of use, there was no point keeping them in their cells. You just
0: send them to a regular prison.
1: <laughs> I don't know. This is Texas.
0: I don't... Eat. Oh, that's true. <laughs> <laughs>
1: this is true. Anyway... Clyde's sister and fellow inmates said that his time in prison robbed Clyde of his innocence. One inmate, Ralph Fultz, said, quote, "Clyde changed from a schoolboy to a rattlesnake."
0: Unquote. Yep, we t- we said it before. Say prison it again. Prison is the school for criminals. That's how you go in, not doing that bad or even being innocent, and you come out full blown hardened criminal.
1: Yeah. I mean, to this point in his life, the crimes that Clyde committed were crimes of necessity. Yeah.
0: yeah. He was uh, poor. I mean, hungry. I don't
1: I don't know what was going on with the turkeys, but he could have been selling them to get
0: more money or he was going to save them to eat them. I'm sure they lay eggs. He could eat in their chicken eggs or their
1: turkey eggs. Regardless, his crimes were crimes of necessity before this point. Exactly. But 1932 begins a very not good time for him. Dark Streak. Dark Streak. Fresh out of prison and full of rage from his abuses there, Clyde jumped right back into his life of crime. He formed the Barrow Gang, which included Bonnie, Clyde, Ralph Fultz, and others over time. Clyde and Fultz began robbing grocery stores and gas stations. Their goal was to get enough money and ammunition to successfully carry out a raid on Eastham Prison Farm, where they had served their sentences. Mmm, revenge! For real, that's all Clyde wanted, was to get revenge on the wardens and the Texas correctional system. In mid-April 1932, Bonnie and Fultz were caught in a failed burglary attempt on a hardware store. Bonnie was held in prison for a few months, then released without a trial. Fultz was tried, convicted, and served time for the crime, and he never rejoined Bonnie and Clyde after that. I wouldn't either. Great. Right? caught once. Not doing it again. Rude. Some friends they are. Later in April, Clyde was the getaway driver for a robbery in Hillsboro, Texas, in which the store owner was shot and killed. Ah, that's, there it is. <laughs> there it is. That would be his first murder outside of prison, if we're keeping track. You don't like that. <laughs> in August, Clyde, Raymond Hamilton, and Ross Dyer were at a country dance in Oklahoma when they were approached by the sheriff and a deputy. <laughs> Let's just let that marinate. The gang opened fire on the police, killing the sheriff and gravely wounding the deputy. Which is really not funny. But also, thanks, Bob Marley. I shot the sheriff.
0: <laughs> but I didn't shoot the deputy. <laughs> In anyway. Case, he killed the sheriff. But he didn't kill the sheriff deputy. <laughs>
1: oh, no, he did. He didn't kill the deputy. He just killed the sheriff. <laughs> he gravely wounded the deputy. Well, he lived. Wait, no, that means he didn't die immediately. But later on. Oh, uh. If you gravely wound someone, that means they're on their way to the grave. (sighs) Oh, I see, I see. Yes. Well, this was the first time the gang had killed law enforcement officers. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. On Christmas Eve in 1932, W.D. Jones, a family friend of Clyde, joined the Barrow gang at age 16. A child. A little baby. That night, the gang left town, and on Christmas Day, Clyde and Jones murdered a young family man in Temple, Texas, while stealing his car. I like that. By the end of 1932, the Barrow Gang had murdered at least four people. Which leads us to 1933, which was the busiest year for the Barrow Gang.
0: Ooh, it's right in the middle of their spree.
1: Right in the middle. Spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> On January 6th, 1933, the Barrow Gang accidentally, I don't know how you accidentally do this, but they did, wandered into a police trap set for a different criminal. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, oops, we're here. Uh, well, the police thought, oops, they're here, but... We want them, too. So let's go ahead and try to keep them. Yeah, they were
0: like, we were going to catch these little minnows, but we got ourselves shocked, boy. Right?
1: (laughs) Oh, God. Well, Clyde killed another deputy in the fight out to get away from the police. In March, Clyde's brother, Buck, was released from prison. He and his wife, Blanche, joined Bonnie, Clyde, and Jones in Joplin, Missouri, where the gang had a hideout in a small apartment above a garage. Damn it, Blanche. Damn it, Blanche. I mean, this poor woman. Golden girls. (laughs) Buck and Blanche did not initially intend to join the gang. They tried to persuade Clyde to give himself up to the police how it starts. Emphasis on tried. Clyde didn't want to hear it. While staying in the apartment in Joplin, the gang didn't even try to hide their appearance. They played loud alcohol feud games late into the night, disturbed the neighbors with their loud comings and goings from the property, and Clyde even accidentally, again, don't know how you do this accidentally, Fired his automatic gun in the apartment while cleaning it. Accidents
0: happen with guns, guys. That's why we talk about gun safety.
1: Okay, well, if you're cleaning a gun, why the fuck is it loaded? I feel like a Texan should know that. I don't
0: know. It It seems to me that Clyde might be responsible for why anybody under the age of 21 or 25 can't rent a car. And... We can't have loud music, Main Street, I'm looking at you. Yeah, yeah, sounds <sighs> Sounds about right sounds to me. Like we can blame Clyde for
1: a lot of things that we can't. It's all fun and games, so somebody ruins it for everybody else. Well, the neighbors never went to the apartment to check on the tenants. I wouldn't. Needless <laughs> to say. But one of them did find them suspicious and reported the activity to police. In April, a five-officer team was sent to the Barrow's Joplin apartment, thinking that they were breaking up a bootlegging operation. Bear in mind, this is prohibition. And they were drinking, so to their credit, there was alcohol involved, but that wasn't why the police needed to be there. The Barrow brothers both opened fire on the officers, killing a detective instantly and fatally wounding a constable. Bonnie provided cover fire for the men with an automatic rifle so that they could escape to their car, forcing a highway patrol sergeant to hide behind a large tree. When Bonnie's bullets struck the tree, wood splinters shattered into the sergeant's face. The Barrow gang escaped, and the surviving officers later testified that they had wounded two of the gang members, though they were pretty sure they hadn't killed anybody.
0: Pretty sure.
1: Pretty I'll sure. i tell. I mean, they didn't, so. In their hasty getaway, the gang left most of their possessions behind in Joplin, including guns, Bucks parole papers, a poem written by Bonnie, and several rolls of undeveloped film. The poem and photos from the film were sent to the newspapers across the country, <laughs> and the Barrow gang, most notably, Bonnie and Clyde, of course, became famous. Famous, I tell you. Famous. Famous. The photos showed the gang members joking around with their large arsenal of weapons, often jokingly pointing them at one another. Nope. Again with the gun safety. Guys, come
0: on. I like how in America, that's what prohibition is for anybody who's an out-of-country listener, Uh, they basically prohibited the production and sale of alcohol. It wasn't illegal to drink it, It was illegal to produce and sell it. I like how that was a law, but like, hey, maybe we should put in some gun safety laws. Nah, we got it. (laughs) Nah,
1: nah. it's fine. It's fine. It's fine.
0: We're just going to point them at each other and it's all going to be safe. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
1: But these photos are what we think of today when we think of Bonnie and Clyde. They are world famous photographs. So there's that.
0: Yeah, buddy.
1: The photos also exhibited the clearly romantic relationship between Bonnie and Clyde. The newspapers painted the relationship as scandalous because the two clearly were not married, but having sex. So scandalous
0: to having premarital sex, but they're literally running around shooting people and robbing people. I know! (laughs) But they're all hung up on the premarital sex.
1: Yes, you have a point. But also, the photos did help the general public to know what Bonnie, Clyde, and the Barrow Gang looked like so that they could identify them yeah. and call the police. But yeah. still, it that that
0: sensationalizes them, though. Like, I'm it pretty did. sure that kind of like they became like stars, like what I was talking about with like the Hollywood becoming that glam. It's like on the rise in the 30s and stuff. Like, they were just superstars. Like, people were yeah. obsessed with them. So you kind of like.
1: I mean Immortalize, the four immoralized,
0: immoralized immoralize them. I forget. Immortalized
1: what the word is. is that immortalized. What
0: you're to say? That's what I'm trying to say. I was about but to say yeah.
1: immoralized is what happened like, with the premarital <laughs> sex thing.
0: <laughs> this other thing <laughs> with the T <tea> in it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but over the next three months the gang traveled all over the country, as far south as Texas and as far north as Minnesota. In May, they attempted to rob a bank in Lucerne, Indiana, and successfully robbed a bank in Ocabena, Minnesota. Minnesota. The gang's newfound fame made their daily lives much more difficult. Since photos of them had been released to the papers, they were very easily recognizable. They could no longer eat at restaurants or sleep in motels. Instead, they camped at the roadside with their car and bathed in streams. So that's fun. They had no escape from one another. They were getting sick of each other real quick. They only had one car for the five of them. So they were all cramped together in close quarters and they quickly began bickering and fighting. In late April, the gang kidnapped a couple from Louisiana while stealing their car. Jones then used this car to leave the others. I would too. (laughs) Right? I mean, my sixteen-year-old is like, "I'm out of here." You're cramped together. You're fighting. I don't know why anybody would stay, but he didn't stay away long. He was only gone for about six weeks. He returned to the gang on June eighth. Six
0: weeks after being with his mother.
1: (laughs) I mean, you don't know if he was with his mom. Maybe he was out getting himself some ladies. I assume
0: a 16 year old ran back to his mom for six weeks and, and he was like, Mm-mm, anything's better than her. I mean, no,
1: <laughs> wait a minute. OK, he was 16 and the only woman he had been around for months was a woman that was already taken. OK, two so- women that were already taken. So I imagine he was out getting himself some some, you know, two days after Jones returned to the gang on June 10th. Clyde was driving the car with Bonnie and Jones inside. He either missed or ignored bridge construction signs and flipped their car into a ravine. Bonnie's right leg was severely burned in the accident, though it's unknown if the burn was caused by a gasoline fire or from spilled Uh, battery acid.
0: No, I don't like this part of the story.
1: No. She was not... In a good place. The burn extended from her hip bone to her ankle. Oh, God. Yeah. Jones said of her injury, quote, she'd been burned so bad none of us thought she was going to live. The hide of her right leg was gone and her hip bone. Are you fucking kidding me? The hide of her right leg was gone from her hip bone to her ankle. I could see the bone at places, unquote. With Bonnie unable to walk, the gang got help from a nearby farm family. Then they kidnapped two local police officers.
0: With Bonnie not being able to walk?
1: No. So there were Clyde, Jones, and Bonnie. Bonnie was incapacitated, so the boys decided, let's kidnap some cops.
0: Let's do that while my girlfriend is literally half Melted.
1: (laughs) Yeah, let's do that. And the funny thing is, the story never says what happens to those cops. Oh, no. Don't know what happened to them. But after that, the gang rendezvoused near Fort Smith, Arkansas, and intended to stay there to nurse Bonnie's wounds. But Buck and Jones messed up a robbery and murdered the town marshal in Alma, Arkansas. Crazy. The gang was forced to flee despite Bonnie's grave condition. <sighs> yes. In July. She didn't go to a hospital. That's. Ugh. Well... This she makes
0: it so worse. Yeah. I know.
1: <laughs> she couldn't go to the hospital. She was a criminal. In July, they rented the two cabins that made up the entire Red Crown Tourist Court, which is basically a motel, situated just across from the Red Crown Tavern near Platte City, Missouri. The gang was so conspicuous, it seemed like they wanted attention. Interesting. Oh, my God. (laughs) No, not even. They were just really lazy at this point. Blanche checked into the rented units, saying that there were three tenants when the clerk could clearly see five people. She paid for the rooms and food and drinks from the tavern in coins, no paper money, Hmm. The owner of the property noted that Clyde backed their car into the garage, quote unquote, gangster style for a quick getaway. Okay. (laughs) Apparently it was unusual for a normal person to back their car into the garage.
0: It's still unusual for a normal person to back their car into anything. Just pull in like a normal person.
1: I mean, seriously, people. Anyway,
0: gangster style.
1: The gang taped newspapers over the windows of the cabins. Suspicious. Totally not suspicious. Blanche also wore britches instead of a dress or skirt, which attracted a lot of attention. Ooh, scandalous. Ooh, a lady wearing pants. How scandalous. Scandal. The owner of the tavern told his friend, a highway patrol agent, about the strange group. Clyde and Jones went into town to purchase bandages, crackers, cheese, and atropine sulfate to treat Bonnie's leg. Because, you know, what else do you need with pharmaceuticals? Snacks. I
0: mean, you always need snacks.
1: Always need snacks. The pharmacist thought that this was odd, so he notified the sheriff, who put the cabins under surveillance. People
0: are so nosy.
1: (laughs) Right? Well, the sheriff had told... uh, Nope. The sheriff had been notified by police in other states that there was a gang running around with an injured woman, so be suspicious. The sheriff called in reinforcements, including an armored car and officers armed with submachine guns. That's a little excessive. Well... It wasn't excessive enough, apparently, because late one night in July, a gunfight occurred at the rented cabins between police mm-hmm. and the Barrow gang. The police were outgunned, and the gang managed Ooh. to get away when one of their bullets stopped the continuous horn of the armored car, and the police thought that a ceasefire had been called. The, po- <laughs> the police did not pursue the gang's car as they escaped
0: it's such. It's like a cartoon movie.
1: For real, like.
0: <sighs> oh, are those the people that were supposed to be arresting? Yep. <laughs> Pretty much.
1: While they escaped the gunfight, Buck was shot in the head. But, Buck, no. But wait, he didn't die. <gasps> the skull at his forehead was shattered, and his injured brain was exposed. Uh, Oh, it's way worse. Yeah. was she died. (laughs) Pretty gross and excruciatingly painful for him. But... uh, Imagine. Yeah. Blanche was almost blinded by glass shards that had gotten into her eyes during the shootout. Oh, it's even worse than the brain. So, yeah. The gang camped in an abandoned amusement park in Dexter, Iowa, where they attempted to treat Buck's head wound, but they could see that he was living on borrowed time. And Clyde and Jones dug him a grave. (gasps) Like they really thought he was going to die before their eyes. Locals started to notice the people camped in the park and saw their bloody bandages and notified the police. Local police and roughly 100 spectators surrounded the gang. (laughs) People are ridiculous. I mean, what entertainment could they possibly have besides apprehending a gang? So come on, of course they were there. Oh, you're right. And the police soon fired on the gang. Okay. (laughs) I mean, they were already (laughs) injured and licking their wounds. Let's keep shooting at them. Bonnie, Clyde, and Jones escaped. I don't know how, but they did. But Buck was shot in the back. This poor dude. I mean, for real, he's been through it. I know. Buck and Blanche were captured by police. Buck died less than a week later of complications from his head wound and pneumonia, probably caused from the shot in his back. Probably. Blanche regained sight in her right eye, but her left was permanently blinded. Uh She was tried for attempted murder and served six years in prison. Over the next six weeks, the remaining members of the Barrow Gang traveled to new states in an attempt to avoid detection, committing armed robberies and thefts all along the way.
0: That's the way that you avoid attention.
1: Of course, right? Let's go to some states we've never been to before and just keep doing what we're doing. Yep. In August, they robbed an armory in Illinois. As you do? As you do. While there, they were able to restock their arsenal of weapons and ammunition. In early September, the gang risked a trip back to Dallas to visit with their families. Bonnie and Clyde went home to Dallas, while Jones went on to his mother's house in Houston. Hmm. Went back home. (laughs) He went back home to Mama. And he probably shouldn't have because on November 16th, Jones was caught in Houston without incidents and extradited to Dallas. Lame. Through the autumn, Clyde committed robberies through Dallas with several local accomplices, while Bonnie's injuries were tended by both of their relatives.
0: Aww.
1: On November 22nd, Bonnie and Clyde narrowly avoided capture when driving to meet up with family. Clyde sensed that it was a trap and drove straight past his mother's house where he was supposed to have stopped. Police officers that had been laying in wait emerged and opened fire on the car. No one was killed in the shootout, but one of the bullets grazed both Bonnie and Clyde's legs in the car before they drove away. Ooh. I mean, poor Bonnie. Bonnie's leg alone. <laughs> poor Bonnie. I mean, for real. On November 28th, murder warrants were issued for Bonnie and Clyde for the killing of the deputy on January of that year. Whoa, crazy. Which takes us to 1934. Dun, dun, dun. In January, Clyde returned to the prison farm and orchestrated the escape of several of his fellow inmates, including Henry Methvin and Raymond Hamilton. One corrections officer was fatally wounded during their escape. Oh. Yes. And another corrections officer swore to the wounded man on his deathbed that he would capture and bring to justice the Barrow Gang. Okay. So yep. Mighty high promise. It was a All right.
0: mighty high promise. Ambitious. I like it.
1: <laughs> Historians believe that this raid was... Clyde's end goal. His mission since his release from prison had been revenge against the Texas correctional system. So the January raid on the prison was humiliating to the state of Texas. Clyde Mm. got what he wanted. Texas officials were so enraged by the raid that the Department of Corrections contacted the retired Texas Ranger, Frank Hamer. They charged him with capturing the Barrow gang and made him a Texas Highway Patrol officer. Mm. Mind you, the Texas Rangers had been disbanded because of their cruelty.
0: Yeah, I was like, they're not the way they are, like... No. Now, <laughs> no.
1: a lot of old Western films really romanticize Texas Rangers, but they were old
0: Western f- films <laughs> romanticize the West.
1: <laughs> they were a very cruel group of people, which is why they were eventually disbanded and given large pensions to stay away from law enforcement. Just just take the money
0: leave us the fuck alone
1: (laughs) but that really says something the fact that the texas officials were so at a loss for how to deal with bonnie and clyde that they re-enlisted the most dangerous man they could think of crazy absolutely crazy starting in february hamer tracked the gang relentlessly living out of his car and always only a town or two behind them On Easter Sunday, the gang was approached by two highwaymen in Grapevine, Texas. Clyde and Medvin opened fire and killed both officers. What? And this encounter was really controversial because it occurred just outside of a farm. And the farmer claimed that he had been witness to the murders. And he claimed that Bonnie was actually the one that pulled the trigger first. Even though in reality, it has since been proven she was in the car asleep when the shooting started. So it was the two men that committed the murders, not Bonnie. But because this farmer told all of the newspapers and anyone that would listen that Bonnie was the murderer, it really turned the public against her. So femme fatale. Seriously. People who at that point had had sympathy for her and thought she was just along for the ride with these guys turned against her in the worst kind of way. Yeah, because how dare a woman owe anything a man does. And after this encounter, the public outcry was insane for the extermination of the Barrow Gang.
0: The extermination.
1: Ex- Termination. People want. People wanted to see Bonnie and Clyde dead. It also that's further enraged Texas law enforcement. The Highway Patrol boss issued a one thousand dollar reward for quote the dead bodies of the grapevine slayers unquote. A thousand dollars, you say? Why? That's my whole year's salary. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> okay, but let's let that marinate for a second. He issued $1,000 for dead bodies, not dead or alive, not the capture. He literally just wanted them dead. The Texas governor, Ma Ferguson, issued a similar reward for $500 a head on Bonnie and Clyde. Ugh. I would like to point out, though, that Texas had a female governor. Oh. Yeah. Pretty cool. Right?
0: That was just a weird old-timey name. <laughs> I just accepted it.
1: Her, her name wasn't really Ma, but that's what everybody called her, so. That's interesting. Yeah. Soon, I'm
0: af- not going to say go Texas, but.
1: No, I mean, <laughs> but progressive for the time. For that second, for that one thing. Soon after the Easter Sunday murders, the gang murdered a 60-year-old constable in Oklahoma and kidnapped a police chief.
0: Dang! hmm
1: they crossed. Hey, ballsy. The, they are so ballsy. They're very, very full of themselves. They crossed the state line into Kansas and released the police chief, who at this point was out of his jurisdiction and could do nothing about this.
0: Um, I feel like nothing
1: is a strong word. <laughs> I mean, he was severely... So like he could have done something. He was... Outnumbered, outgunned, and out of his jurisdiction. He literally could do Uh, nothing. True, true, true. But they left him a few dollars so that he could get home. Dollars? That's crazy. Dollars, yeah. After that encounter, the Barrow Gang made their way to Louisiana in May 1934 to lay low for a little bit. I mean, they've been pretty active, so... They need to chill. Bonnie's
0: leg just basically almost fell off yeah. a couple months ago.
1: <laughs> Frank Hamer had been following them for months and figured out the pattern to their travels. And he predicted that they would stop in Louisiana to visit Methvin's family. Hamer assembled a posse in Shreveport, Louisiana, to attempt an ambush on the Barrow gang. But he didn't know where they would be and when. Clyde designated Medvin's parents' house as a rendezvous point for the gang should the three of them be separated. Interesting. And very serendipitously, Medvin was separated from Bonnie and Clyde in Shreveport on May 21st.
0: Interesting.
1: Now, I'm not sure how he came to be separated from them or how he came to be in contact with the law enforcement posse, but... That happened.
0: He sold them out.
1: From what I understand. Dirty snake. From what I understand, the posse caught him. And in exchange for his cooperation, promised him some leniency. So, Medvin and his father worked with police to set up the place and time of the ambush on Bonnie and Clyde. Mm -hmm. Which leads us to May 23rd, third, nineteen. 34 at 9:15 a.m. The posse lay waiting armed to the teeth in the bushes along the highway leading to Medvin's parents' house. They heard Clyde's stolen Ford V8 approaching fast. Medvin's father had been waiting on the side of the highway in his truck near the hidden posse and was able to get Clyde to stop his car. Once the car was stopped and Medvin's father clear of the car The posse opened fire on the V8, killing Bonnie and Clyde. Jesus. Clyde was reportedly killed by the first bullet shot, a headshot, and one of the posse reported hearing Bonnie scream upon realizing Clyde was dead before the gunfire was directed at her. This is intense. This is very intense. It gets worse. Just you wait. The officers emptied all of their weapons at the car. Starting with their automatic rifles, which produced so much smoke that the officers could no longer see their target. The, mm. the coroners later reported that most of the shots would have been fatal alone. During the ambush, Clyde's foot must have slipped off the brake because the car rolled past the ambush point and eventually settled in a ditch, where they continued firing upon the car.
0: Jesus Christ, people. They're people. They're literally human beings. They're not like extra, like supermen. Like,
1: well, to this point, in lo- the law enforcement's eyes, they kind of were because they had escaped death and capture so many times. The officers were determined to take no chances in ensuring Bonnie and Clyde's deaths. It's excessive. It is 100% excessive. But Bonnie and Clyde had escaped capture more than a handful of times at that point. Once the smoke had cleared and Bonnie and Clyde were pronounced dead, some of the officers went to town to call their bosses to let them know that they'd been successful and to hire a tow truck to take the car with the bodies still inside into town directly to the funeral parlor in Arcadia, Louisiana. So can you imagine the biggest gangsters in the country being paraded dead inside their car through the city streets. It's so dirty. I don't like that. News of Bonnie and Clyde's deaths traveled so quickly in the town that people rushed to the scene of the ambush. The crowd began... I'm sorry. The crowd began attacking the bodies, clipping blood-soaked hair from Bonnie, and taking articles of clothing from both bodies, which were later mm. sold as souvenirs. Some people even tried to... I'm so sorry again. Some people even tried to cut parts off the bodies. One, one man tried to cut off Clyde's trigger finger before he was stopped, and another made an attempt at Clyde's ear. Ugh. By the time the tow truck arrived in town, there was a massive crowd in the streets pressing in to see and even touch the bodies. The crowd became so thick that the tow truck could no longer move through the streets. Hmm. <sighs> Uh, yeah. Frank Hamer was asked by the town officials to try to control the crowd so that the car could be taken to the funeral parlor and the bodies taken care of. Yeah. By the way, there's photos of this riot.
0: I imagine.
1: There are, and they are insane. 20,000 people attended Bonnie's funeral on May 26th. The crowds were so thick that her family was nearly unable to make it to the gravesite. Mm. The family actually initially wanted to hold Bonnie's funeral in their home, but because of the amount of people that were expected to be in attendance, they couldn't do that.
0: (laughs) That should have just been family.
1: Right? Well, Clyde's family thought that also because they held a private funeral for him at Sunset on May 25th. He was buried next to two of his brothers sharing a grave marker with Buck. Aww. Yeah, so he and Buck were buried together. The case of Bonnie, Clyde, and the Barrow gang changed the way law enforcement agencies communicated and operated. Obviously, because these fuckers were allowed to romp around the whole United States for two years, unchecked. Mm. (sighs) Anyway, two-way radios were made standard in every police vehicle. And this technology would have helped apprehend Bonnie and Clyde much sooner had it been in use. (laughs) It's
0: just a basic thing, something as basic as a two-way radio.
1: Right? I mean, today we can't think of a police officer not having a radio, but back then nobody had one. Ridiculous. Because of these changes, the latter half of 1934 saw the deaths of three other notorious and deadly gangsters across the country. Mm. And that is the story of Bonnie and Clyde.
0: Yay, happy Valentine's Day, happy Valentine's Day.
1: Valentine's Day. I do have a little bit of media that I'm going to talk about. There is Just a little. <laughs> just a little. Seriously, because there's so much media about Bonnie and Clyde, I can't even begin to talk about all of it. So the most recent portrayal of Bonnie and Clyde in the media is the Netflix film, The Highwaymen. Ooh, I haven't seen it. It is very good. I would recommend it. Okay. It came out on March 15th, 2019, and it stars Kevin Costner, Woody Harrelson, and Kathy Bates. Ooh. Love me some Kathy Bates, and she is fantastic in this. She plays Bonnie? She does not. She oh. plays the governor, Ma Ferguson. Ooh. hmm This film got a 6.9 out of 10 on IMDb. A 57% on Rotten Tomatoes with an audience score of 74%. And Ooh. a Google score of 92%. Ooh-ooh. You're
0: coming in for the win.
1: Google always comes in for the win. I don't even know who votes in Google, but I like them. <laughs>
0: I do. <laughs> you <laughs> just just like a little thumbs up guy. <laughs> right?
1: I thought this movie was fantastic. It's relatively new, so I won't spoil it, but... It is told from the perspective of Frank Hamer, played by Kevin Costner, the retired Texas Ranger who is pulled from his quiet life by Texas Governor Ma Ferguson, Kathy Bates, to hunt down and kill Bonnie and Clyde. I thought the film was interesting and really thought-provoking. It told the story that we're all familiar with from an outsider's perspective, we're so used to seeing movies that romanticize Bonnie and Clyde and tell the story from their perspective. So this story really highlights the people who are hurt the most by what Bonnie and Clyde are doing and it's it's an yeah. out, and it's an outsider's perspective on the wreckage that they're wreaking across the United States. I think it's really interesting and I definitely recommend watching it. Ooh, so excited. Yes. And another thing that I will say, it's not 100% explicitly about Bonnie and Clyde, but it reminds me of Bonnie and Clyde a lot, is one of my favorite songs by the Dirty Heads called Lay Me Down. Hmm. It was released in 2010, and it's on the radio all the time, so it's been stuck in my head a lot lately. (laughs) But... The lyrics of this song obviously don't explicitly say that it's about Bonnie and Clyde. However, it is about two lovers on the run from the law for robbery. In the second verse, the sheriff chasing them catches up with them and the lovers shoot and kill him. And in the last verse, having escaped the law and made away with the stolen money, the couple settles down to a quiet life by the sea.
0: I feel like there's uh, a lot like of media like that, where, like, like you said, ooh, I just cracked my whole bones. Um, Where, Like you were saying, like, romanticizing Bonnie and Clyde as a couple kind of, like, in the sense that people romanticize Harley Quinn and the Joker, where you have, like, these, and maybe even Harley Quinn and the Joker wouldn't really have that dynamic either if it wasn't for this real-life story, because that's when you see, like, all of these, like, criminal couples and they're so romanticized and they're like we're gonna get away and a lot of them like the one the song that you're talking about gives them a happy ending kind of yeah um and I it's just so interesting I want I'm curious to know like if Bonnie and Clyde weren't as infamous as they were like would we have so many movies and music videos and 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 other things where couples were like criminals and trying to like get out of the the life or really excelling at the criminal life. I don't know. She's really
1: interesting. Yeah, I mean, Bonnie and Clyde never intended to be criminals for life. They, I I mean, I can't speak for... It was out of
0: circumstance, I'm sure.
1: Yeah, it was definitely out of circumstance, and I can't necessarily speak for Bonnie because her view isn't all that well-known, but for Clyde, he had an end goal, and he did achieve his end goal in his life. So... To die? No, not to die. To get revenge on the correctional system. Oh, yeah, yeah, duh. And the correctional system corrupted him to the point of no return. And he did get revenge on him by orchestrating his friend's escape from prison. So I feel like he did kind of achieve his end goal. Um, Yeah. And then, of course, Bonnie and Clyde always knew that they were going to have a violent death and they knew that. They were going to die together. So the fact that they did die together. I mean. It just seems pretty like. Kind of romantic when you think about it.
0: Yeah. It's in like a backwards kind of way.
1: <laughs> in a very backwards um, kind of way
0: for sure. But And it's just really sad. I mean they're extremely young people. Um, Definitely. I think I, Bonnie. I think they're 24 and 25 when they die. Or not, 23 and 24. Not or?
1: even. I think they're younger than that. I think Bonnie might have been twenty one or twenty two, so Clyde twenty two or twenty-three.
0: Yeah, so it's kinda like they're they're literally just kids in a way and they're put into these situations where they have to have like hard life and to cope with it, maybe they did enjoy it, because that's kind of the way that you have to like the rush of things, I mean, like stealing things and living this, like, nomad life. And then their way, they probably romanticized their own life, too. Yeah.
1: I mean, when you really think about it, like, from Bonnie and Clyde's early backgrounds, their early lives, you get the sense that Bonnie wanted adventure and she wanted a life outside of home. And Clyde, after, I mean, after he was released from prison, all he really wanted was revenge. So yeah. their coupling... Was a lot like what you just said, like Harley Quinn and the Joker. Yeah. Harley wanted the romance. The Joker just wanted chaos. He just wanted revenge. Yeah. So it's, it's really interesting. It's a really crazy story. It's crazy to me that they both knew that they were going to go out in a fiery blaze of glory. And they did. Yeah. If you enjoyed this episode of Dinner and a Murder, please subscribe and tell your friends to tune in for more information about Where Rose Ate This Week. And Bonnie and Clyde, check out our website. Yes, yes. Also, please
0: rate and review us on iTunes and Facebook. It helps so, so, so much to get good reviews. So please go do that
1: if you have any questions comments corrections or you just want to leave us a suggestion you can find us on facebook or email us at dinner and a murder pod at gmail.com um all of the links we've
0: mentioned are in our linked link tree i almost did linkedin again <laughs> um in our link tree uh in the description please uh be sure to tune in every thursday for a new episode
1: thanks for listening we'll see you next thursday ready You count it. Yeah. Okay. One, two, three. Bon appetit bon tea. tea. We were close. Bon apple tea. It's close enough. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Bye. Bye.